You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Uh, gee, I wonder what we're going to talk about on the pre-show, Russ. I have no idea. I was like scratching my head. Like, there, Nothing happened yesterday. Nothing controversial. Nah. Nope. All right. So let's talk about it. Everybody lost their mind with the Baseball Writers Association. Vote for the Hall of Fame. They're still in, to this, in this day and age, there are still people that don't understand that Major League Baseball does not run the Hall of Fame. They don't understand that. I don't think they even understand sometimes how the Writers Association works, but we'll move past that. Then you get like tweets from like Gary Sheffield because his uncle, like of course it's his uncle, but people, some people may not know, Barry Bonds didn't get in. And he's like, hey, let's start our own Hall of Fame of players and we'll vote our, you know, the players will vote each other in. And I responded back and I said, go ahead. Like you have all the money, go ahead and build a place and do it if that's what you want. But again, those kinds of remarks, and then you have Marcus Stroman, who's against really any writer at this point, just saying that if he doesn't vote in guys that he likes, that they they all suck. And then you have fans that are like, hey, you know, there was one guy from Fox. He, he was a regional analyst that basically said, hey, Barry Bonds is the best hitter of all time. And I just responded back and I said, better than Ted Williams? And he wrote, yes. And I didn't even go back after that. Like, it's just there's no reason to point out statistics or do anything after that. The amount of outrage from this vote, um, there was one guy who said, Kevin, that he was going to boycott the Hall of Fame if Barry Bonds didn't get in. And I said, you can't boycott a sport that's locked out. Well, you can, you, can boycott the, you can boycott the Hall of Fame by not going to it. No, but he didn't talk about the Hall of Fame. He said the sport. Right. Okay, fine. But, and, and, Kev, this, this, is the, this is the thing. And, I, I you know, I, I told Russ, it's like, I have an equal standard here. If it, if like A Rod doesn't belong in, and Bonds doesn't belong in, and uh, Clemens doesn't belong in, then Ortiz doesn't belong in. And the reason Ortiz made it is because he's a nice guy. Everybody loves Big Poppy. He's friendly and smiley, and he you know he gets along with like he got along with the Yankee players, even though he was on the Red Sox. I don't give a good goddamn about that. It's whether he cheated or not. And somebody I responded to on Twitter, he said, Major League Baseball's all-time hitter, Pete Rose, Barry Bonds' all-time home run leader, and Cy and leader of Cy Young Awards, Roger Clemens, all are all not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you cheat. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, this has really divided people yet again. It, al it almost feels uh, political. Uh, it's getting I, close, Kevin. Yeah, it's not, It's not. but that's how it feels to me. I, I read, uh, uh, I have uh, um, friends with, um, in Detroit, uh, one of the writers uh, who votes, and he has voted for all the um, uh, guys who've been accused of uh, steroids. Um just because, you know, he says to me, they're, we're voting on what happens on the field. And he said they were great, uh, great players. Um, that's his position. I, I've had an, a really fascinating debate on this with um, 
you know, a guy that uh, understands steroids a lot better than I do, but has really educated me on it. And his point is, you still have to put the work in. That yes. you know, like you don't, you can't take steroids and suddenly become a three thirty no. hitter. Right. Like Barry Bonds would have been a great hitter whether he took steroids or not, because mm -hmm. um, uh, that doesn't help you hit. Does not help hit you. fifty homers. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. thing. But even then, it doesn't. Like you don't take steroids and and on Tuesday and on Thursday you're stronger. You have to put in the work. What steroids does it allows you the recovery time in order yes. to work out more than the average human being. So, I mean, anybody who know, has had uh, medical issues and takes steroids is it promotes healing. Yeah. And well, what, that's, you know. that's where it helped Clemens the most because people forget when he left Boston, he left a broken pitcher. His arm was bad, and yeah. he was really – that's why when he won the 20 games or whatever and the Cy Young in Toronto, yeah. we were all like, wow, that's unbelievable, and then you find out later why. Yeah, so, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's in the season, the Sky Dome Hotel, getting uh, getting shots in his ass from Brian McNamee. I'm going to say this to Bill C. real quick. Mike Piazza has never admitted to using steroids. If he were caught and I saw that he was on the list, I would want him out of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Let's just be clear. Yeah. If you want to hide behind David Ortiz because you're a fan, you're right. welcome to it. Bill, Bill C., here's my standard. If anybody – who is in the Hall of Fame currently is proven to be a steroid user, he should be kicked out of the Hall of Fame. I, but don't you feel a little bit differently, though, about guys that use steroids to recover from injuries more so than guys who just to that? I might. So well, that, that that was that was see, that was the thing with Andy Pettit. I'm trying to, you know, like, right. Andy Pettit did it to recover from an injury. Right. And he Which is what steroids are for. Right, and he, had, right. And, he, well, and, he had, yeah. and he admitted it. So, like, I still would not vote, probably vote for him for the Hall of Fame because he did take steroids and they were banned by the sport. But at least he was honest, unlike McGuire and Paul Merrow and all those other, who all those guys will never get in. Uh, and you know, I don't know whether A. Rod or or Clemens or Bonds will get in the Veterans Committee. I, I would think they won't. Kev, because they were so visceral, at least uh, uh, Bonds were so viscerally hated by by uh, most of, you know, they respect them as great players, but I don't think they were well liked. Um, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, uh, like you said, you use the word cheaters, and that's true. I mean, the, there were rules to the game that they didn't follow, and um, that generally uh, prohibits you from uh, – from doing things you'd like to do when you're uh, convicted of uh, a crime, in this case of being a rule breaker, yeah. um, and I think they're you know they're paying a price for that. Um, yeah, I spoke to I spoke to a you know a 20 year ago major leaguer when I was doing my book Strike Three, and I've spoken to a few major leaguers about it about steroids, gotten some stories, but this one we had a debate about, and because he just wanted to hear my side, he kept calling me a baseball purist while I was interviewing him. And it was David Seguin. David Seguin was a really good first baseman, excellent fielder, pretty good hitter. You know, he could hit for average, and he was obviously looking for a little extra pop. Right. No question about it. And he, his feeling was, hey, he was kind of like keeping up with, with the Joneses. And I told him that, you know, well, what about the older players that didn't do that, that now their numbers and records look not great in comparison. You know, they look tiny in comparison. And, and, you know, and he kind of saw that side, but he was just like, look, this is what we did. And, and so I understood the mentality behind it, but then I also understand that sometimes there's a cost and this was the cost. Yeah.
No, I mean they wrote they, they did break the rules. The same thing with Pete Rose. Oh yeah, I mean it's yeah, not even the same oh. conversation. It's like well, no. this, to bring him into this conversation like some people have. It's entirely wrong. But this, but this is the thing, and then and this is the you know now that you've let the and, and okay, you cannot tell me that these writers that the, the 77 some odd percent that voted for David Ortiz didn't know about his name being on the list in 2003 that was exposed by the New York Times. I think it was in 2009. Everybody knows that everybody knows that he was that he that he failed the test. Then he didn't fail after that because probably he had good masking agents. But we don't know 100 percent for sure. Um, but now if you've let him in with that knowledge, um, then why don't why didn't you let Bonds in? Why didn't you let Commons in? Why didn't you let uh, you know like now Shoeless? I'm sorry. Where is the case against Shoeless Joe Jackson? He broke the rules, but so did Ortiz. That's what I, I mean. I'll tell you one thing about Ortiz. I looked at his statistics, and there's definitely a statistical anomaly, like there are with most guys that took, whether it's for one year or a bunch of years. And Ortiz is my my favorite one is his last year when he was 40. He had 127 RBIs, which is like second or third most he's ever had in his career. He had a 602 slugging percentage. Mike Trout, when he was winning MVPs, didn't have a 600 slugging percentage. Later, he did have a couple of years that were 602, and Mike Trout's not even 30 yet. This guy was 40. So if you don't think, you know, and I said, unless he's Superman, you could look at these numbers and say, hmm. Russ, I, I love the fact I love the fact that Ortiz in his first three seasons in Minnesota before he went to the Red Sox, he hit a combined 10 home runs. I know. So he was a singles hitter, basically. Mm-hmm. With um, a different name, like we remember him. I have a baseball card of him. Yeah, and now the other the other thing that the other thing before we get started here was um, the name that sort of uh, was underneath the surface yesterday that got passed over was Schilling. I've never seen a player shoot himself more in the foot than Kurt Schilling, where he came out last year and said, "Don't vote for me," and all the statements that he made. He's the only one who got to seventy percent that went backwards. Kev, he went to fifty yeah. percent and. He will never get in because of the stuff that he has said after his career. And that's the thing. His career is Hall of Fame worthy. He is his persona is not. Yeah, no, that's right. And, uh, um, you know, he's just gone out of his way to uh, anger everyone. Something's (laughs) happened to him, Kev, because I interviewed him about 15 years ago um, about a video game that he, you know, was taking part in, not the one where he lost all of the money for Rhode Island, not that. He was just, you know, a face that they were using. And he was completely reasonable in this interview, and it, it was a really good interview. And something has happened to him in the last, like, decade that has shifted him to this bizarre kind of person. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same he's thing that really to many good. people in the country. You know, he's become political. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> he's become more of, like, the curmudgeon, like, get-off-my-lawn type of guy, though, like – even more than political. Yeah, but when you're when you're he's like the guy, like you know, it was like yeah. When when you're advocating for the death of reporters, that's that's not well, that's exactly. That's definitely yeah, and obviously. I mean, clearly, I'm against that. I mean, I'll just say that. Yeah, uh, de- uh, the death of reporters. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's I'll, 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 I'll also sign that petition. <laughs> all right, yeah, I think we're all in agreement that we don't want reporters to be killed. Um, as reporters, um, it's easy for us to say. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. Let's especially, get going. Especially me. Here we go. Uh, 
the hockey world. It is Wednesday, January 26th, 2022. I'm Michael Agello. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen, and before the Chuck Fletcher press conference, I experienced the World Meat Cutters a trophy presentation. And this was a crazy event to go along with <laughs> what happened in the press conference. It was unbelievable. I don't even know where to go with that. Yeah, I I know. I'm Kevin Allen from Hockey Buzz, and you know I'm both intri intrigued and appalled. That was <laughs> I really don't know why that wasn't the pre-show. I'm and I'm Eckland. You're watching the Hockey Buzz guest on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every. I'd rather talk meat cutters than shelling. Like well, because information just kept kind of like coming in as I was talking more to Zach. But like we walked in, I walked in, and there's like screens up with like pictures of, of <laughs> videos of Rocky playing stand-ups of like apollo creed there's an, a ring announcer like sounding like michael buffer there's some people in boxing garb and it, there was a sign like meat cutters uh award ceremony and i didn't know what any of that meant so then i got upstairs we're all talking about it i talked to zach and it turns out like texas roadhouse is sponsoring this and they're getting like the best meat cutters across the country how do i not know about this so there was a guy in like a red robe and zach is like that guy i think is the champion <laughs> he's literally there in a red robe like he's roberto duran and i'm a like a red oh, blood soaked robe did he did he have a big belt too <laughs> he did not have a belt no no well so trophies on a desk and all zach told us was don't worry this is going to end like five minutes before the press conference because it was loud can i have five pounds of prime rib please <laughs> Speaking of cutting meat, the uh, Flyers press conference. Um, yes. Let's jump to that for a second. <laughs> Russ, I heard you got a question today. Yeah, I did. Uh, what was your question? Explain. My question was, you know, the, the managerial change happened uh, December 6th. Yeah. Why did it take so long to get an assistant in there? Because, Rick, you know, Torchetti's not even in there because the poor guy has COVID now. No, no, that's, actually, that's the other thing that's just unbelievable. He that's landed cool. at the airport and was immediately put in COVID protocol. <laughs> so like Don Torchetti may not even make his coaching debut Saturday. But beside that, I kept wondering for and said on the show why for weeks and weeks and weeks yeah. they had not done this. And and Chuck was like, Well, you know, he his basic answer was uh some people didn't want a job for just two months. It's a short-term thing. It's hard to get somebody. He gave like three or four different excuses, but you know, you know what the answer is. When you're a GM and you have a Rolodex, there are some people you can call on that will come in on a moment's notice and help bail you out for something. And it took him four or five weeks. That is not a good sign. And John Torchetti was with the Minnesota Wild. He actually replaced Mike Yo. Like, like I want to read a text from a Minnesota Wild fan that I'm friends with. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is what they say. So the Flyers added John Torchetti to the coaching staff. Pretty odd move, move if you ask me. He was he was Yo's replacement on interim basis with the Wild when Yo was fired. Right. Um, I like Torchetti, but it must question where the heck the Flyers are going. Can Eric Stahl be far behind once the Olympics are over? Or maybe Zach Parise? <laughs> What's next? Um, well, Manny, <laughs> Manny Fernandez and Marion Gabarek. Well, Jerry Mayhew. Jerry Mayhew scored yesterday. It's his second goal in nine games. So he's like, you know, the great player that they found so there I, mean, you go. I don't know about you but if i had a job um like so just let's just say i could get fired from hockey buzz and if i if and let's just say i brought you guys like i said i was a general manager of hockey buzz and, and you know and i could get fired and if i got fired you guys would get you guys would also get fired so let's just say that for example okay so you're my coaching staff and i'm a GM. 
which is, you know, couldn't be further from the truth, but let's just say that's the case. So we're in that situation and I get fired and now I get hired by another team, by another, by another website. Okay. To be their GM. Um, <clears throat> I got fired with you guys as my, as my coaches. But why would I go back there? Like, why would I, why would I not like, I mean, I'm not, and, 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 and honestly, this, again, this is not a personal yeah, thing against I'll you guys. I'm just saying, why would you do that? Why would you repeat the things that got you fired? Because, else. because you trust us. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. I, I think you know, the, the question you raise is a good one, though. Um, but, you know, you look at historically um, what especially it's less true today than it used to be. But, you know, when you hired, uh, you know, the Glenn Sather crew right. uh, Edmonton to go to the Rangers, you knew you were getting Oilers. Well, uh, that's a Stanley but, Cup crew. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no that, no, that is. But. I mean, I think that I just use that as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I, I mean, guess. the Flyers have been poaching Kings, too, because they poached Alan McCauley. He's a king. Mike O'Connell is there. He's a king. Dean Lombardi is a king. So they yeah. have been doing that. But, Kev, here's the other part of this. The other part of this is um, this took a while, as he said. Yeah. But the point is, would you have fired anybody without having a replacement? Yeah, that does happen. I mean, you, you know that does happen. You get angry and – Things right. the south, and I mean, you should be better organized than that. But I, yeah, but I didn't think you finished your thought there. Sorry, go ahead, continue your thought. Yeah, but but I mean, I I just think that you get comfortable with a group of people. You just want to surround yourself with people that know have your back, that you're not worried about them, and uh, um, you know, you convince yourself that what went wrong in the previous um, team was not uh, your coaching staff, but uh, circumstances. You know, yeah. and I can um, I, I I can point to it. Yeah. Is where where a team hired somebody that a team fired somebody and they really didn't have a replacement. Toronto in 2015 when they fired Randy Carlisle, they made Peter Horch, yeah. who had never been a head coach, yeah. the, the the coach. And the reason they did that is because they were going to tank. They were they 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 they, they knew that team was not good and they were going to go to the bottom. So Peter Horchek was the guy was the captain of the Titanic. Uh, in Buffalo, they fired Lindy Ruff. Who'd they bring back? Ted Nolan. Um, that I mean, was, yeah, this is this is this is a this is like a history repeats it. You know, if we don't pay attention to history, we're damned to repeat it. Well, I hockey mean, repeats itself all yeah. the time. Yeah. And, I, and I get the comfort level. Like I would never be comfortable working on another website with Michael Jello. Like for example, like that would be something that I get like the comfort level. Um, sure. You know, especially but, when I plotted a coup d'état against you. Right. No. You exactly. <laughs> um, well, it's you know, the, it's the sign that says it's over. That's what it's it's <laughs> the, it's, it's, it's oh. Mike's it's Mike's glowing optimism that brings me that that keeps me yeah. that keeps him employed here. But um, yeah. Heck, I'll <clears> tell you the most. But the yeah, Mike. I mean, and Russ and Kevin. Like this is this is a little bit. This feels like okay. I get it. You're more comfortable with these guys there, you know. But that you're the general manager. You know, like. You have to be comfortable anywhere, and if you're not, if you if you need these guys to come in for comfort, is it that is is that telling me that the people above you are making you uncomfortable? Like the, the interesting thing about today's press conference, Russ, wasn't what Fletcher said; it was what Dave the Scott other guys said. Right. So I'm going to get yeah. to Dave Scott now. So yeah, he's been there nine years, right? Yeah. And you know, he at one point he said, "Hey, I'll give a blank check to Chuck Fletcher," but you can't give a blank check in the cap world. But that's Beside the point, I'll give him a, a little pass for that one. Yeah. But but what, what worries me is, again, when the names like Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren and Bill Barber get brought up, who are in advisory roles, and 
he still leans on them and talks to them about hockey stuff. Yeah. And we saw what, what happened with Bobby Clark defending Chuck Fletcher because of his, you know, yeah. relationship with him in Florida when he was there. All those things, those things need to stop if the Flyers want to be successful. Yes. And I'm telling you, I am in the minority probably even of some of the media because they don't think that's a problem because I was talking to some of the media and they don't think it's the problem. I know it's the problem yeah. because I've right. seen how business works sometimes. And no, no, I'm only saying this, Kev, for my business work, that when you get so insulated like that and everybody has like personalities, you generally don't get a great result. Yeah, but we do see this in the business world as well. You oh, know, when guys sure. leave companies, um, they end up, uh, you know, the executives at the new company know they're not long for that world because the guy will go back, reach back and pull forward the guys that he's worked with forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm just I mean, saying, I, who I, I, but I, you know, I, I, your points are going at because I, you know, what you're saying is this is a result of uh, oriented business, and you know, we can actually see, yeah, like other businesses. I mean, they yeah. have bottom lines, but this is a little bit different, and yeah, and they, this is a little they, bit of more of a voodoo re re related business, too. Like, and I, and I say that in this way because it's like, you know, it is not necessarily. Yo's fault or Fletcher's fault, what happened in Minnesota complete. I mean, what, you know, there's all different sorts of things. Sure. And, it's, and it's not necessarily, you know, and, and Mike Yo could have like, you know, and they brought in, you know, they bring in Jones, Martin Jones, who no one wanted, but they bring him in because of the goalie coach who they think there's a way that the voodoo can like, either there's something that'll happen, like something special. There's hockey has a lot of that, like something special will happen if you put this together or, yeah. you know, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm one of the first to admit that I do think that hockey has a lot of emotion involved in it. And, and yes, you know, and there, but there, but the voodoo part of it was what works against bringing in, yo, know, keep, keep using this because the reality is that when something goes wrong in hockey, the feeling there, this is a superstitious group of people. And it's like, this is going to, it's not going to work again. It could work, it could work perfectly fine, but it won't work again because of superstition. There's a huge amount of superstition. I don't know if that's the right word, Kevin, but you know what I'm saying by that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's just confidence. Like, let's just use this yeah. as an example yeah. to illustrate that. And we talked about it when it was happened, when uh, the Flyers end up moving Nolan Patrick to Vegas because McCrimmon felt confident right. that he could get him where he needed to be. Right. right. You know, not really paying attention that one of Patrick's major issues was injuries. Right. Um, you know, which that you know that was the issue, and then they traded. Uh, and I'm drawing a blank. The uh, the forward first round pick went to Nashville. Cody Glass. Um, Cold glass. Yeah. He he goes to Nashville because Nashville believes yes that, right. yeah that we've scouted this guy and our system to develop players is good. You know we'll get him down in Milwaukee or we'll bring him here yes. and he's going to be fine. And it had that deal hasn't worked out for either uh, team because right. those players were flawed. And right. They, so here here's a good yeah. one. Kev. That's so, a great point. So so Chuck talked about when asked about the rookies and, and development and some other things, and he wasn't ever going to get deep into development other than saying they've added bodies and they brought in, brought in people, but that doesn't mean it's better. Right. But what happened here was with the Cam York situation. So he's saying, Hey, Cam York's up here. He's producing. That's great. He is, but they still should have picked Cole Caulfield. It doesn't matter that Cole Caulfield is not producing this moment for the Canadians. What mattered is, he was scoring goals before the Canadians turned into a red-hot mess. Yeah. And he was scoring playoff points. And then the one thing Chuck Fletcher was talking about that they still need is goal scoring. That was your goal scorer. But they went with Cam York, and they took Bobby Brink as well. 
Bobby Brink's still in college, but he has a little bit of an injury history. So I do kind of wonder because he kind of gets himself in bad positions. He can score some goals, but I don't know what's going to happen at the NHL level. And Cam York's not a number one defenseman. He's probably a two or a three. And so now yeah. he's having to defend that even in year three. And yeah. that doesn't look as good as it could look either. Well, there was a moment. Okay, that really kind of nailed him. And had I been at the press conference, I couldn't because of my son's thing this morning. But had I been there and I wanted to be there, I would have um, <clears throat> asked the question that someone asked. And I don't know who asked about the Ed, the Ed Snyder question. People feel like this is getting away from the Ed Snyder Flyers, which you guys hear me talk about all the time. Um, I don't know who asked that question. Right I, I forget his name. Um, but, um, but it was a good question. And, and it, was some, it was an interesting question because Dave Scott jumped on, okay? And mm -hmm. said, you know, people are saying this isn't a family anymore. This isn't a, like, you know, and this is something that I've heard constantly from fans and I've heard constantly from players within the organization and other, and other situations. And Dave Scott took the question um, and obviously felt personal, but it's obviously something. And I know, I mean, I've talked to people around him and him. I know this is, a, I know this is a problem. I know this is something that they're dealing with. I know they're dealing with people at what, you know, and whether or not you think you're creating a family or not, perception is reality. Right. So, there is, if people are perceiving this not to be a family, if people are perceiving this not to have that Flyers mojo that Ed Snyder had with it. Again, superstition, again, voodoo, but still, again, but but something that's, you know, perception is reality type situation. He's, his response was, he said, well, these are the people we've hired to make it, you know, basically he, he talked about children's replacement and people like that, you know, and and they've hired a, a friendlier, I forget, what's the woman's name? I can't remember her name. Um, Anyway. Yeah, she's been there for four years. She's the one who she's the one who took over for like Luco and Tilger, right? Yes. And and like and Sean Tilger is was not, you know, like not a not a nice guy. Like Tilger Tilger's a great Tilger's a great guy, but it was not like an easy person to deal with. Like he's a fantastic but he guy. He was good at his job. He was very good at his job. He was job. very good at his job, but he was also he was also knew exactly what his job was because but, let, but let's be but, let, but Mike, can we finish this point, okay, please, because it's really I think is okay. I think it's valid. Um so he then goes, goes and lists all these people that are working within the organization. These, and these are not, but this, and the people he's listing about you, the flyers, the, the flyers organization have nothing to do with what the fans are feeling. Like this is not, has nothing to do with the president or the vice president or any of these people, the people that we've dealt with, you know, it's not, no one knows who's, no one, you know, no, no flyer fans, you know, are longing for Sean Tilger's return or Peter, Peter Luca's return. But what the, what he's talking about is the way the players and the coaching and all that is working. That that's what fans feel like is lost. Like the idea that Ed Snyder had that we would never accept something like a, a nine game and then a thirteen game losing streak, and not go out and do something drastic, make some kind of big move. But, and the but, fact that all you do is bring in, you know, you you elevate your assistant coach. That's all they've done. But um, that's that's the difference, right? The, the problem here yes. is that is that that you know that Ed Snyder uh, managerial style or ownership style. They haven't won a Stanley. They didn't win a Stanley Cup in forty-seven years. Yeah, Mike, but I've said many times we've had this debate before. It didn't matter because well, that look, at how many, look at how many times, look at how many Cup Finals that team went to. Look at how many times that team is. I mean, that you, you're not going to win this Cup, but at least you know as a fan that your team's going to go for it and that your team's going to make a chance. And the Flyers yeah. fans, well, Flyers well, fans have grown up with that, and well, I can't this, emphasize Valerie that. Valerie Camillo is the uh, Valerie Camillo, great well, person. I met her. She's, yep, sorry, I'm sorry her name. She's, yep. she's probably better at her job than those guys oh, were. Oh, and I think that part of the Flyers organization is fine. When, when Russ and I were talking before the show and he told me that uh, that Dave Scott had said that, that Chuck Fletcher has an open checkbook. And it, the thing, and I, you know, Russ said, well, um, 
It's a salary cap. It it's doesn't a, matter. Yeah, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not an open checkbook. I mean, yeah, no, but that's maybe, maybe he's talking in terms of he might be talking in terms of you know he can pay whatever he wants to do coaches or what have you. I get that, but you know, and 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 he's and he you know he and then he's he Scott is weird because at times he puts himself with Comcast and at times he acts like he's not with Comcast. But yes, Comcast. I, I agree. There was a moment there where you see he, that. He saw that. that they were great partners, and then there was right. another. Yes, I and agree. then a the second he says, "We love them." Like yeah. at Comcast, we love them. So he goes back and forth, and, and that I think is the is the inherently the issue is that he needs to obviously he works for Comcast, but he needs to be a guy that you want to hire a guy that cares about the Flyers, and yeah, and isn't working for Comcast and necessarily even though he does. And so what he does, what he did to to kind of mask that was talk about all the people he had around. I have good hockey people around me. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, see, I dispute that because he's operating under a false premise. The problem with the Philadelphia Flyers right now is not their ability to go out and make a big splash and sign somebody because they did that with Ilya Brizgalov. They've done that with Kevin Hayes. They they can sign the big free agent. The problem is is that their player development sucks. They've had draft picks that they haven't developed properly. They. And, no, I, I don't necessarily agree with that i mean i think farabee connect me york the, i think their player development and 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 you know even carter hart i mean i think patrick rubstoff i mean well, there are people? players but but i mean there are they've also gotten more out of some of their first and second round picks than other people other teams have and i think that and that's another thing that you that i felt during this thing that was really troublesome was like he's sitting there and fletcher at one point says we need more top end talent Right. You need more top end talent. Right. That's always something that everybody will say. And everybody wants more top end talent. But we went through this process the other day when we were doing the first round draft picks and saw that yes. the Flyers aren't void of top end talent. That's really not the problem. Yeah, Farabee is their last top end talent guy right now. And maybe they have one other that can turn into one. No, they're right. Like, the, what's the kid? The, the guy from the U.S. Brinks or what's the name? I'm no, not Bobby Brink. I'm not sure. No, I think he's he's not that. But the problem. Right. But the problem is, Eck, is that yes, if you hit if you hit on your first round picks, great. But what what makes the difference between a team that is okay or middle of the road and a team that's great, like say Tampa Bay, is that you got guys like Palat who are seventh round picks, or Alex Kalorn who are third round picks that you develop into core players or even support players that make you a team that is impossible to win. And the, this team is thin. They really are tough. Well, and also, Mike, to go along with that, the 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 the, the it goes along with the UFAs you bring in, right, to play your role. Nate right. Thompson's of the world, those kind of players. Mm -hmm. They've got way too many of those guys that Fletcher's brought in that they're allowing to play major roles that shouldn't be in the NHL. Right and the funny thing is, is he fell back on that. Still, he I know. said, "Look, we played the the Islanders last night, and they're a big, heavy team, and we were lacking in some of that." That is not the Flyers' problem because, again, they have Zach McEwen who's trying to bang people around, but he can't skate and he doesn't have good hands. So, so I feel like Fletcher's doing what uh, – yes, and I feel like Fletcher's doing what he did in Minnesota, which is listening to a lot of people Yes, and doing what they – what the consensus of that is as opposed to a GM like, say, in Florida, like a Bill Zito, who is running – who is using his central, his central vision to make the team. Yeah, I don't feel that – You Fletcher, have a heavy guy like Austin Matthews who could score 40 goals – Hey, that's a great heavy guy to have in a lineup. Yeah, sure, but you have you have to you need a GM that has a central vision, and he always goes back to the people he has around him. The people say he's very much a, a GM who, you know, knowing the situation in Minnesota, the owner and all that stuff, and he's just a GM who does he just listens to everything. And I don't get the sense that there is a 
like someone in the chat room said he was trying to do a rebuild, but then he, of course this summer he did anything but that, right? Like he went out and he get the wrist of lane and things. Well, he basically to win agreed to again saying the word retool. They're not rebuilding. They're going to retool or remodel again. But yeah. the Ellis, Ellis Ristolainen, those are moves for now, right? They were moves for now yeah. because right, you know, Ellis has term, so he's a move for the future. And Ristolainen, in his mind, was a move for the future because they were hoping to resign him. Right, but now that, they're hoping to resign him again, and they're doing that because they feel like they don't want to. They don't want to admit they made a mistake with him, and that instead of instead of resigning him based on what he's done. But Kevin, this is where I thought the. the about that. That was where I thought the press conference today was interesting when it came to the players like Giroux. You know, he said it's up to Drew because Drew has no movement clause. But with Ristolainen, he was sort of like, I, I don't know. He, I don't think he, he was non-committal because you know we'll talk to him. Great, you'll talk to him. But if you're not prepared to offer him six and a half million dollars on a long-term deal, then you're probably gonna have to trade him before the deadline. That's that's what where they're where they're at with some of these guys. These right. I, I well, a couple of things. First, first yeah. of all, I actually agree with Act about. Um, the feeling toward ownership and family. I would phrase it a little bit differently. I, what what made Schneider unique among ownership is is that fans believe that he cared as much as they did. That's true. And, and I think um, that that's been lost. Yeah. So there's the a disconnect between the fan base and ownership because now they've lost. You know, they if if even if Schneider failed, you know, they the fire fans at least understood. Yeah, that tried. he was trying desperately yeah. to yes. win, and yeah. I don't, I don't know that we know that the, the fans feel that way now. I don't think they do. Oh, they don't at all. But the other thing is, is that that's yesterday when I did my column, I did the yeah. first deep dive I on their finances, and they can't afford Giroux or Ristolainen. Right. They're at sixty-eight million dollars. The right. these are fourteen Unless million. They Jettison, million. JVR, then they could afford. Yeah, that's what they've got to do. Right. Now, if if they have to buy out JVR, they're only going to save two point seven million. The problem is, even if they get rid of Giroux and uh, Ristolena, essentially that money is going to pay the raises um, to Faraby and to uh, uh, who now? Hart, mean Hart. No, it wasn't Hart. Uh, who did they? No, uh, no, 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 Faraby and somebody's uh, raise kicks in. Uh, uh, the... uh yes, yeah, right. Yeah, so those right. are going up significantly. So, you know, you, you, you still got to sign 10 players and you only got 13 million to do it. And that's if you don't re sign Giroux. And, uh, and Giroux had a, a good enough year where, you know, you're not bringing him back for four million dollars. Yeah, Katuria, no, it'll cost more than that. Terry yeah, yeah, exactly. his ELC ends and he goes up to five million bucks. So well, I'll tell you the part of the press conference that I didn't buy when he was talking about the core and talked about Travis connecting in the core. I think he meant for that for this year because he's on the team right now. But Kev, that is the other way out. If they trade Travis Konechny, then they could do everything you're talking about. Well, to trade Travis Konechny, which I think is uh, going to be one of their options, uh, because I don't think they're going to be able to accomplish what they want to with yeah, Van Riemsdyk. Right. Um, I think their best case scenario for Van Riemsdyk is you trade him to a Seattle or a Detroit, or an and you pay and you pay half their salary, right? Um, and then you give them something for doing you a favor. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they have a real chance. Um, in my opinion, to take advantage of this. I think through Ristolainen and Giroux, and I got to believe Claude will go try to win a cup. 
I mean, the only guy, uh, and there, there might have been others, but the only guy that I can remember that turned down a chance to go win a cup was Sundin, right? Is right. there any other, other big well, names? Didn't, didn't Ray Bork turn it down earlier in his career and then come back to it at the very end? Yeah, he did. He did turn it down, but mostly that was because he didn't want to leave Boston full time. You know, well, I think I mean, that's the situation with Giroux, too, because he has no. two young kids, and he doesn't seem like he does want to leave, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but the, but the difference is, Russ, is Bork knew Boston was going to keep him. I'm not sure Philadelphia can keep Giroux. Um, yeah, you know, I get what you're saying. If things, if something doesn't work out, then they can't. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and, and I, I know they can trade Konechny. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. But, um, yeah. So, but the, you know, even that's not going to make them clean because they've got to add oh. scores, and those aren't cheap. Yeah, um, you know, uh, you you've got to bring some in. I mean, you you hope you can uh, you know find a bargain. Yeah, you know, go to the AHL and find the best score there, and yeah. you know, you you know, right. but, but they need in the Olympics. I would scout the Olympics because there's going to be a lot of thirty year old free agents coming out of the Olympics, like Eric O'Dell, for example, who's playing for Team Canada. Um, He's back with. Oh, we can't afford to lose EO. I know he's back yeah. with Team Canada again. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I think the Philadelphia is in bit wor worse uh, cap shape than I realized. Um, just no, it, it was a good article. Definitely, everyone should read. I tweeted it out this morning. Um, we should read what what the Flyers can do by Kevin. Um, but um, I think that I really do feel. See, I'm, 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 I look at them differently. I honestly think that this is a team that is way better than this and and i and i usually am not that way that's usually not my thing that that i feel like a team is better than what they're performing i honestly think that this team has shown over the years so many traits so many similar traits over the years that they, they fall behind in the first period and yet and and but yet they're able to come back because they have a lot of because they have talent they have skill and they can score right. goals and, and and at the end of the day, I just, I really feel that this is a coaching issue, and I just I I don't often I don't like to blame coaches, but I feel as if they they haven't had a coach in there that has been able to get this team right going. And that might who be the, you, who are you talking about scoring goals? Yeah, I mean Couturier's out, Hayes is out. I mean well, with, with injuries, injuries is another thing. But when but, they're all healthy, they have enough goal scorers. No, they really I, I just, yeah, I, I don't I mean, Connecty's put up what 30? Therapy can do 30. He's nowhere near putting up the 24 that he put up the last two years. He's nowhere near that. No, but he's done that, and he, and they're you, not saying he can't get back to that. I, all right, you, so I'm going to tell you, I looked at Connecty just as an example. Yeah. And when they went into the bubble, that was like the height of his greatness. And right. he had 24 goals in like 56 games, right? But then, and he was already good the years before that. Yeah. Then in the playoffs, he struggled. Terrible. Struggle mightily. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the next year he struggled mightily. There's no more AV and he's still struggling. There's no guarantee he's coming out of this. No, but Russ, remember, point. right? Remember after the lot after the bubble, he came comes in and that season, or was it that um the two these two COVID seasons are blending? He had this incredible start to the season, wasn't it? Right after the bubble, like he came out, he had like, no, that was the bubble season. He had the incredible right, he had the incredible start right after that. Right after the bubble, right after the bubble. No, he had he came and we were watching. Konechny came out again. Yeah, he maybe started off strong for the first month or so. Yeah, that's he, that's he probably has, true. He has that ability. Like he is an all emotional player. 
He is Brendan Gallagher. Like I, I'm convinced that Konechny is Brendan Gallagher. That they are the same player. I don't think he has the same motor as Gallagher. So, but, but, but this mm-hmm. is the thing. If you, if you had a 25 year old Van Riemsdyk, then you would have a, then you might have enough school. But you've got a, th- right. a 32 or 33 broken down JVR. He doesn't help you offensively. He kills you against the cap. You've got Couturier and Hayes. You're one two up the middle, injured. I mean, this is a. This, they're healthy. That's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right about the injuries. Like if, whenever, if everybody comes back, yeah. but I also think um, that, you know, it, even when everybody's healthy, this is not a great scoring team. No, um, no. You know, I look at it and I think, okay. Uh, I, you know, first of all, I think Carter Hart is fine. He's still only 23 years old. Yeah. yeah. Still yeah. just 23 years old. You know, he really even, you know, if he didn't come up till he was 24, You'd say, well, that's fine, and he's been up forever. So, you know, you're set in goal. Your defense coming back, even if you get rid of Ristolainen and Yandel, which you're going to do, you know, you're going to have Cam York, who uh, even if he's a second-pairing guy, so so be it. I mean, he's ha- he's yeah. off to a good start. He's going to be a good player. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got – if Ryan – I mean, I think the injury to Ryan Ellis screwed everything up this year. Well, it did. There's no question. I, and actually, I, today they finally admitted, Kev, that Ellis – and Couturier could be out for the season. Yeah, well, I mean, was out on the ice himself today, and he wasn't skating very hard. He wasn't. Well, well Couturier's absence is also big, but I think Ryan Ellis is what really screwed it up. Yeah, Couturier oh, won the Selkie. He won the Selkie. I mean, we're talking about a, one of the best defensive yeah. forwards in the game. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a good player, but I think Ryan, uh, yeah, Ryan yeah, Ellis, because yeah. of what he was brought in for. I don't yeah, think Kevin true. Hayes will score 20 goals again in his NHL career. That, that was the next point I was going to make. I'm not sure he is either. That's the problem. Um, you know, I like Kevin Hayes uh, as too. a player. But, uh, um, you know, I just don't He's know. another player that, when motivated, is phenomenal. No, but and the injuries, not, are, injuries are taking all Injuries are taking that. a toll. But we saw him come into the – was it the bubble where the playoffs where he was just incredible? I mean, there are moments when he – Kevin Hayes looks – like when Kevin Hayes is – when Kevin Hayes, there's two Kevin Hayes. There's the Kevin Hayes that gets the puck and gets rid of it, and mm-hmm. there's the Kevin Hayes who gets the puck and holds it. But the I, one who holds it is the good Kevin Hayes. That Kevin, because Kevin Hayes is a really good stick handler. He's really good with the puck. He's got great control. And when he holds it and he slows down and sees what's going on around him, he's fine. But most of the time, he's quick to get rid of it. That was two years ago. And that's the point. And then, and and he's had major injuries. And you have to also factor in the the unfortunate. Yeah, I think that affected him. His brother has. Yeah. So, I mean, but but this is the thing. I I think that they're not going to uh, bring in a coach. Before the end of the year, it's going to be yo. You know, they wouldn't have brought in Torchetti if they were going to fire. I, I agree with you, Mike. I agree, and that's that. I think is is extremely the more of like this whole like no longer Ed Snyder era type thing. You know that that you would that you would ride out the year. Well, here's my point about Hayes. Yeah, he's 29, soon, soon to be 30. Yeah, and he's never had a 50 point season. Right. Yeah. So I mean I I like I said I like him he's a good player but to think you know you that he's suddenly going to give you your offensive lift when when he comes back and he's healthy like I don't think that's um going to happen. And that's on Fletcher because I mean the reality is you know Fletcher says we need top end talent when he gives Kevin Hayes 7 plus for that all that amount of time that's Fletcher saying that he's getting top end yeah. talent in Kevin Hayes. Yep. Yeah. And he didn't, and now he's saying we need top end talent but what about Kevin Hayes you know what about and you know and many times he you know, where Fletcher didn't want to blame the injuries, he did go back. And, of course, and it, I think it, I'm, I'm okay with people blaming injuries to a degree and blaming COVID to a degree, but that's not what it's about. It's about what you see and what you see out of a team's fight. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, you can lose games if, if you see a team fighting, if you see it, but the, so it's, it has nothing to do with, to me, injuries and all that stuff. There's no fight in them. There, there's no fight at all. And that's, that, that's the issue, right? That's, that to me is the problem. Yeah. I, the other thing I, I would say too, which um, also uh, led me to the conclusion that, you know, you got to let Drew, you know, walk away and, you know, yeah. you might have to trade connect me um, is the fact that um, they do need, scores and the top end guys but they're a franchise that could recruit those guys if they have cap space like yes. i think people will still right. want to come to philadelphia yes. because uh of the, the they're in the east uh, the flyers are almost an original six team in terms yeah. of of uh uh national appeal um uh, yeah. you know they're in the sort of the big eight yeah, people call them the seventh original six team. I've heard that. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. yeah, 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 and uh, you know for that. So I, I think, but they got to have cap space, and you can't need ten players and have thirteen million dollars <laughs> and get it done. Yeah. Um, no, you're hundred percent right. So that's why I say, you know, you you, you got to find a way, and then it, it goes against. That's the problem I had, where you know I said, okay, if you get rid of Jerome and Rustalane, and and you've already got a high early pick. That you're going to get out of this uh, year, then you can say, okay, well, this is my feeder pool because I'm going to get it right this year. Right. Um, you know, you're going to give a Steve Eisenman type speech to your uh, scouting yeah. staff and said, this, 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 you proved to me you deserve yeah. to be here because these three picks, the two first round picks, I'm assuming they're going to get a first for Giroux. Um, yeah. These three picks are what's going to feed us for the next. You know, two or three years. I, so, I, yeah, I think I think they'll get a first for Rista Line, and that they move them too, because or at least a second. I said second, uh, just because I think his year has just been average, it's been, uh, so it's been to below great. average. I think it's been pretty good. I actually think it's been pretty good. Really, I do. Yes, I mean the hits are there. Obviously, the hits are there. The puck possession's good. Again, I'm not looking for points. That thought because he has a big shot and he's going to get like points, like Buffalo was hoping. He's not really that player. What the Flyers are doing with him right now is actually his role and the role for the future. Yeah, I get that. But I, the, to me, to me, what I, if I'm scouting him and I, if I go, if I, if I'm a scout and they say, go scout and see if we would trade for him. I mean, the thing that would knock me right off the bat is it's, it's the second effort and it's not there. Like his, you know, like some players you can, you know, like they used to say with like Mark Howe, remember Mark Howe in defense, the famous line was, you know, you might beat Howe defensively, but then you're going to beat him again on the same play. Like he's going to come back. You're going to have to beat him twice. You're going to have to beat him. You know, you're going to have to keep beating him. That that that's where risk to line. I, I don't know. I mean, against the Islanders, as an example, a game where the Flyers yeah. barely showed up at times. Risk to line and had a pretty good game. No, he did. He last night he looked okay. And and you know who had a horrible game? Keith Yandel. And you know, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm the record. I know. And that's you just... know who Chuck Fletcher protected today? Keith Yandel. I know. Yeah. Well, why don't we well, why don't we move off the flyer page? Yeah. Got uh, Flurry act. All right, Mark Andre Flurry. There's so many different things out there, Kevin. You, what have you heard about me? I know. I remember you mentioning some things. I don't talk about what I heard today. Well, I mean, uh, you know, there, there, it's uh, hyped up uh, um, uh, talk about to Mark Andre Flurry, and no one is absolutely positive he's going to go. But yes. I think everyone feels like I do is that after he sits and thinks about it a while. Um, you know, he'll convince himself, look, it's not that long. It's two yeah. months. Um, and I think he would love to go out with a, yeah. um, another uh, run at a cup. So 
Um, but I, I the, the one thing about the Washington Capitals, which is really fascinating me, McClellan does a terrific job of um, being very aggressive and very very quiet about what he does. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, there are a lot of uh, teams, and we've talked about this, who waste the years of their talented players. Yep. <laughs> and McClellan is not one of them. Not right. He sees an aging Ovechkin. And he sees Ovechkin still playing his heart out, still playing at a high level for a guy his age. And he said, you know, I'm not going to waste one single year. So this team is capable of making a long run. Like, they're not a favorite. Yeah. But they, they have enough parts to, to do that. And yeah. I think his goaltending, when you go look at uh, – and you got to dig a little deeper. you got to go to the advanced stats or even the team save percentage. And all of a sudden you see that Washington is down there with Edmonton, yeah. Um, and the, in the advanced stats, you see it as well. Their goaltending has not been good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and because of that, I think he said, you know, if yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go big. Right. Well, the, inter- the interesting thing, and I, I didn't think about this, and may, I'll, put, I'll put it out there for everybody thinking this is a valid thought. Um, Elliot Friedman was talking about Flurry because the Flurry is out there. And yeah. Mentioned, mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, Flurry spent most of his career in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's arch rival is the Washington Capitals. And he doesn't know whether Fleury in his heart would want to play for the enemy. Um, now he's, you know, now he obviously he's played for Vegas. Now he's played for Chicago, but it's, you know, those are two Western conference teams that really don't have rivalries with Pittsburgh. It's another thing to play for, you know who you like, like being a leaf and playing for the Habs. It does happen, Mike. I mean, it, it's like well, it, I know it happens. I know it happens. It's I'm rare. It's whether, rare. Whether, whether Flurry would be willing to do that as a last, you know, like going out with a bang, but with the Caps. I, the I end- think. I think the better phrasing, Mike, would be though, and I think this is definitely true. Given his option, he'd rather go to Colorado and try to win a cup than to yeah. come East and have to compete against his buddies in Pittsburgh. Exactly. Right. I think that's a great point. I think yes. that's a really great point. Given the option. I mean, the only player, the one player I remember who's fam- who famously when Forsberg, when Forsberg signed in Philly and Detroit was also trying to get him. I remember that was an issue. I remember talking to him actually talking to Flurry and saying, yeah, he said it publicly. Yeah. He didn't want to yeah. play for the Red Wings. I mean, the Colorado Red Wings, Thing was such a big thing, right? So he just didn't want to play for the Red Wings. Yeah, Josh J- Josh George has blocked a trade from Montreal to Toronto because he hated Toronto so much because he was with the Habs. So he ended up going to Buffalo and his and and and. Oh, they love Josh George is there. Oh yeah, he was fantastic. <laughs> Boy, the little he knew that if he went to went to Toronto, he'd probably get the same treatment that Mike Commissarek got there because he stunk. Yeah, no, I think so. I think, but I think with Flurry, it, it's he's going to look at the best chances he has of winning, right? Too like and Colorado it, would be Colorado is Colorado. This, this is why Edmonton's a tough one, right? Because I think that he, you know, Edmonton for him, I think would be a tough one just because they are so wildly yeah, inconsistent. I don't think his groin, his groin muscles could take the being have to having to be an acrobat and make fifty saves a night with Edmonton because so going to the team with the best scorer in the league, <laughs> Ovechkin. That 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 you know you got a shot. You know you you have a shot there. That that you're, Kevin's yeah. right. They become a they become a borderline playoff team to a contender immediately. And and he and and Ovi have had kind of a friendly rivalry. Um, yeah. I, I did a story on Ovi, and I, I remember specifically going and talking to uh, Mark about that. And he 
he was so good on him, and he said what drives him crazy, what drove him crazy is, is Ovechkin would set up in the exact same spot every time. <laughs> and he said, I knew that shot was coming. I've seen that shot, um, and I'm ready for that shot, and it just blows right by me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was he was funny about it. You know, oh, yeah. I'm sure Ovi read that and, you know, thought, you know, that Mark andre Fleury is a great guy. Well, he is a great guy. You know, yeah, they both have that joy of the game. They both have the they joy. They do. That's a great phrase for it. They both have that joy for the game. They yeah. love being hockey players. Flory always is it. smiling. Every time I see him, he's the happiest guy in the locker room. Always. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was it was obviously a, a thing for Flurry to go to, you know, it took him a bit to decide whether he was going to go to Chicago. Remember? So yeah. that was like, but if once you make that decision, you might as well make the decision to go to a cup contender. Like, yeah, no, that, that that's that's well said. I mean, you might as well play it out. Right. You know, yeah. He expected to go um, two months. You know, he thought the Chicago was going to be a playoff team. He was mentally prepared. Yeah. That. You know, that's what I always used to say about when guys would turn down the world championship. Didn't you plan this year to play until yeah. May or June? Yeah. Well, right. well then just just do that. You yeah, know, plus, plus you get to go yeah. to Vienna, Vienna and have a vacation. But people don't realize about the world championship. Like you're right well, about that. The world championship is is a beloved thing for hockey players' wives. They yes, love if it. it's yeah. in Paris or Vienna right. or one of those places. But if it's in, but like, it's in Riga, Czech, Latvia. Right, they're not going. <laughs> yeah, they're everybody's out. During, yeah, well, during, a, during a pandemic, when you're locked in a hotel for three weeks, that's different, obviously. But when it's well, in Bern, Switzerland, beautiful. Yeah, whatever. I, I covered one world championship. And it was in Vienna and in Innsbruck, um, you know. But the thing about world championships that people don't understand is, and it works differently in in uh, the European countries, but in North America and in Canada and the U.S., when you have your best chance is, is when some really good player decides, I want to go and I want to make it a good experience and I want to be competitive, like Sidney Crosby awesome. did that one year. Yeah. And he called all of his buddies today. Why don't we go over and win a world championship? Is there a rule? Is, is there <laughs> no. a rule that the world championship can't be in the U.S. or Canada? Because it's, I don't can't I can't no. remember them ever being here. No, no, there isn't a rule. Um, but it's hard to get uh, um, uh, cities to really go for them because they're not so sure what the attendance uh, will be. Um, now, yeah, uh, or if they're going to have to have the rink for you know um, the playoffs, they don't know. Well, just schedule for Edmonton because they know that they'll be they'll be done after April. Um, okay, couple, Toronto. Uh, couple. <laughs> uh, uh, Patrick Alvin named the Vancouver Canucks GM. Uh, not exactly a shock because his name has been out there for a while, and he worked under Rutherford with Pittsburgh. Um, so I mean. Kev, you know, Rutherford, he brought in an assistant GM, uh, Emily Cost. Well, he really brought in two assistant GMs. Yeah, he did. He brought in a senior assistant, assistant GM yes. and a, uh, uh, a nouveau. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you know, not everybody would want to have a guy like Rutherford uh, uh, above them because Rutherford is knows everyone in the league. He knows how to make trades. He's going to be better at it than you are. Uh, he's going to want to have his imprint, but, and that's the big, but, you know, he's 72 years old, you know, that job's going to be yours pretty soon. So, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, and I, I'm sure he and Jim have a great relationship, you know, they yeah. were in uh, Pittsburgh. So, I mean, this is a, a logical hire and I, yeah. I don't think it changes uh, Jim Rutherford's uh, game plan for what he wants to do with the, uh, the Vancouver Canucks and uh, you know, this is a case of what we were talking about before. He's comfortable. 
with right. him. Yeah. So now it is interesting to me that when you have a when you have a GM who well, like like in Rutherford's case, there's a team president, right? Who is not who's called the team president, and you're but you do what he's doing there. All you're essentially doing is not having a team president in a way. Because what because what happens is, you know, like the norm the team president would fire the GM. So if you don't have the, if you don't have a if you don't have a team president basically you just have it's up to the owner whether or not you're the GM basically it comes down to that's really what it comes down to right that's what it feels like to me at least it's just, well it's semantics and yeah. titles and and uh, you know uh, it's yeah. just kind of a new way to do things and um, yeah. you know I think in that case it you know it works I, you know I, yeah. I I really like the setup there and I commend Vancouver for hiring Jim Rutherford not worrying that he's in the seventies yeah and, um, you know I mean. It's, Lou, yeah. cleared, Lou cleared the way in that one. Um, the other thing was uh, the Aaron Dell uh, um, being uh, uh, set up for a meeting with the Department of Player Safety after he, um, how shall I say it, not, knocked Drake Batherson gently yeah. into the boards. Yeah. Gently? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. This is a really a shame, too, because Batherson's going to the All-Star game and all this. I was really... And now he's was. not. Now, now was, but has had a... Great year, you know, he's one of those he guys. Has. This is a five game suspension in my eyes because there is no reason for a goalie to act like Chris Pronger when he's not playing the puck and the guy is just skating by him. Like, this was horrible, it really was premeditated. It was premeditated, it was, yeah. it was. Uh, uh, other things, but it's a, but it's also a thing that goalies do a lot, you know, um, and and it doesn't often not end to up that extent, not to that extent, no, not to this extent, but. I saw it the other night at the game I was watching. I think it was was it the uh, I'm not sure what game it was I was watching last night where the where a, a guy skating around gets gets called for interference. It might have been the, it was the Flyers game, right? It was the Flyers game, I guess, where the where um where you know Sorokin just basically was behind the net and the Flyer player hits him, but you know tries to get out of the way. Sorokin basically leans into him and he, yeah, you know, but the, but the heart the heart and Vesna Trophy winner can get away with that kind of stuff. Um, right. But um, Evander Kane is still awaiting word on the the the, the NHL's uh, suspension, um, according to Darren Drager. Um, the the Oilers remain interested, but I think we mentioned it yesterday that there is some interest from the Capitals, which I thought was a little. Yeah, well, that you know that fits into what I said about McClellan. Uh, no yeah. stone unturned. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for it. I mean, you know, again, I think the key here that everyone's got to lock in on is the Vander Kane is willing to pay a play for an essentially entry level contract. Right. But, uh, but Kevin, we haven't heard no peep about the, about the, yeah. I, I, I and people that I've talked to said that uh, they feel he's going to get yet another suspension. So maybe he won't even have an opportunity, even if he loses the contract. Right, right. Um, so um, I don't know though. Could they give him another lengthy one? Like it seems to me, how they much could. can they give him for this? Well, they could. Well, this is to me. This goes again beyond the borders of hockey. Yeah, right. It does. Yeah, it does. Which everything he's done has has been the case. Um, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention too that with, with Flurry just real quickly is don't count Minnesota out as being a possibility for that one. Um, just from talking to a few people, I know that they have Talbot, you know, and Talbot's been injured. Hakkinen's been, been really good. He's been really good too. But um, like I said before, many times the Wilds Achilles heel has been goaltending. In well, the and Bill Guerin knows Mark Andre Fleury. There's no right. He has that too. And he tried we to get him that. before. I know yeah. for a fact that he tried to get him. Way like two seasons ago, 
two summers ago when you know when they were trying when they ended up not moving Flurry when everybody thought they would. Those yeah, are two. If they teams. get Flurry, I might have to flip flop my cup pick. <laughs> Those are those are two those are two teams, Minnesota and Colorado, who have known playoff situations with goaltending. Yes. Co- obviously, Colorado recently having to play Michael Hutchinson in Game Seven. You know, you have a chance of winning the Stanley Cup, and if all you need to do is add that goalie, you pay the price and add that goalie. I don't care mm-hmm. if your goalies are playing good now. You know, Franz Cruz mm-hmm. is playing good with Colorado, and Kakinen and Talbot are playing good in Minnesota. But that is a move that puts you over the top. It depends who they're asking for, Mike. Like, if they're asking me for Matt Boldy, I'm not doing it. Well, no, I, I don't think yeah. they – well, okay, if Russ, I agree. But if they're asking for a first-round pick, see you later. Okay, yeah, i probably do it. I think it's going to be – the price – everybody keeps asking what the price for Flair would be. I think it's going to be a first-round draft pick. I do. Yeah. And well, but, I also, but I also think it's going to be not as high as you necessarily would think it would be because he's not going to he's going to be able to decide where he wants to go, which is going to limit the amount of teams that can bid. Yeah, I think that's fair. It'll be a low first and maybe an yeah. additional draft pick or a prospect. That, that's what I think too, Mike. Yeah. I, think, I think there'll be two pieces. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's for sure. Um, yeah. So um, what else we got, Mike? Anything else? Uh, I had one other thing, but I'm I lost. I'll it. tell you. I'll, I'll bring it up, Mike. Um, I tweeted earlier. There's. There's been some things going on with the uh, the men's Russian hockey team. Uh, Artem Anisimov now has moved on to the taxi squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chaikov is now on the main team. Grigorenko missed a practice. They are having a little bit of a COVID problem. They lost three bobsledders already, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are things where they just got there, and these things are happening to them. So I think it's fair to say that this could happen to a lot of teams, but again, maybe Russia has other things going on, but I'm just, you know, these are things that I'm being told. You know what? If I was an athlete at that, you know, especially if I was not in a large team sport, if I was a loser or in the dance, uh, ice dancing competition or whatever, I would hide in my room and only come out when I had to compete. You got to wait four years for this. Work so hard. I would, I would not leave this to chance. Uh, I would. I, I'm. I'm. And I'm not exaggerating. I would just hole up in my room and only come out to compete. Bring, so, bring two weeks worth of granola bars. Yeah. And yeah. and bottled water, and there you go. I bet you. I bet you. I bet you the, the strictness on the on the U.S. women's teams for the for u.s and canadian women's hockey teams are going to be intense yeah but yeah. Eck, like just as an example joe yurden brought up yesterday on the show here that uh a lot of the camera people and stuff they're all in quarantine already they instantly came down there tested positive and some of them have been have been held up for eight days already in quarantine wow and they well, just this, got this, there it's good luck though if you test positive right now that's that's not bad that, that's that doesn't right. mean you're going to come out of it no, that's good. You want to get it now. Like this is when you but want you to don't get it. know. I mean, yeah. you can yeah, become like, a long hauler. There's not a guarantee that I know. I know. Well, you know. You, there was a mu- musician who was unvaccinated in France. This was a big story. I've read about it on pretty much every website. And she wanted to participate in some concert. And if you're unvaccinated, the only way you could participate is if you had actually had COVID um, and could, you know, prove wow. it. So she had two sons that had it and everybody was getting it and, you know, surviving because this is not quite as severe as the other strain. And she got it and she passed away. Yeah, it was a horrible story. I mean, it was everywhere for a while. So she got it on purpose, basically, or no? She did. She got it on purpose. She got it on purpose. 
Holy hell, that's awful. Jeez. On uh, that on that optimistic note. Yeah. yeah, remember without the buzz, it's just hockey. Um, remember to get vaccinated, please. Um, and and we will talk to you again tomorrow. We'll be back on Friday with our other more of that first round stuff that we talked about yesterday.